This is a Three Brothers Podcast. Hello, this is your host, Kyle David Perry speaking. Thank you for choosing to listen to After the Revolution. Before we get to our conversation with Hizmin, here's the content warning for this episode, which can also be found in the description. Death of a loved one, as well as a brief mention of verbal abuse. There's also some explicit language throughout the episode, just a heads up. Be sure to stick around afterwards to hear how you can find and support Hazmin's work online. Here's Hazmin Aurora Medina. After the Revolution, a podcast that poses two open-ended questions to one of my favorite artists or storytellers. The first question is, what happens after the revolution? When we stop people from dying because of their skin color? When people aren't being oppressed because of their intersectionality? When we eradicate these evils, what will the world look like for artists and storytellers? Working backwards from there, what steps can people take right now to end racism, sexism, ableism, transphobia, homophobia, xenophobia, the list goes on. How do we end these things? Today, I'm speaking with one of my favorite people and definitely my favorite costume designer. To introduce her, she's designed over 50 regional productions since she graduated from her undergrad. This includes credits at First Stage Children's Theater, Milwaukee Chamber Theater, many more, including three credits in the last eight months at well, in the last uh, eight months of production at Three Brothers Theater, that's between 2019 and 2020. Uh, she also costume designed Friend Dog Studios' GOP Jesus video and was selected for 2019, the, the 2019 Prague Quadrennial of Performance Design in Space. Of course, I'm talking about the queer Chicana costume designer, Hasmin Aurora Medina. Welcome, good to have you here. Good to be here, what an intro. <laughs> I, I try. I you know it's it's all deserved, which is this is the point. Is it really but, over like over fifty now? I've never even counted. <laughs> I counted. No, I did. I went on your website and counted. So it is it is it is just about there, if not right over it. Um, I have to put I'm my sure other ones up there. <laughs> what was that? I have to put my most recent ones up there, so it'll probably be over fifty now. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, now we're definitely over fifty. So I wasn't <laughs> lying in the product in the in the intro. Um, <laughs> well, no. So we're here. Uh, I'm going to dive right into this. Has mean okay? Mm-hmm. We were talking about about how to introduce you, and two specific things came up that I want to just I want to just address uh, head on for the folks who are listening, because I think that these two notions sort of. They have, they're in the realm of this conversation. They have to do with this conversation. The first one is the phonetic pronunciation of your name and the fact that you have that on your website and on your social media. And I know that it's an important thing to you as an artist and as a person. I'd love to hear you speak on that a little bit. Yeah, I think it really started, that change really happened once I graduated from Parkside. Um, I don't know. I've always felt that way for a long time. It's just I never found the proper avenue or way to articulate it. 
um, you know, because all my life I've been called, you know, Jasmine by many, many people. Um, and it's it's not wrong to call me that, but it's also not right either. Um, or it doesn't it doesn't fit quite as much. It doesn't fit like like, you know, like like a costume, right? Like it just it just feels like I should be wearing something else. Um, and I really I started to realize that especially like once I left Kenosha and I was trying to think of myself as a designer, like in the professional world and who I am and like the kind of work that I do. Um, and one of the hugest things was that like, I am to a lot of people, I'm actually not Jasmine, you know, like to my family, I've never been Jasmine. I've always been Hasmin. Um, to the point where like, even like when my nephews, when they were growing up, like when, even when they were in elementary school, and this is like years ago, um, they would, they'd be like, what if we called you Jasmine? And I was like, no, <laughs> not allowed. Anyone else can call me Jasmine. You cannot, you are not allowed to call me Jasmine. And, and I think about that. And even then I had such a strong reaction, but I never applied that to anyone else. Um, and then I started to think, well, why not? <laughs> like, Absolutely. why? Like, that's, that's my name. And I feel like that's my name. And to be honest, I was, it causes me shame to admit it, but I was, I was kind of scared to tell people that. And it's not, it's not the biggest thing in the world. It's not, it's, it's very minor, but it makes such a huge difference to me. Like, I remember the first time, it was actually one of my last classes at Parkside. My, he was, he was an art professor. He wasn't even in the theater department. He, he didn't know me at all. Uh, and the first day he was calling roll call and he, he was saying your names. And then he looked at me and he's like, would you prefer I call you Hasmin? And it, it shook me to my core. Like I was like, yes, please. Yes. Oh my God. And he didn't know me. He didn't know who I was or didn't know anything else about me, but the fact that he asked and I was like, holy shit, it was such, sorry, it was such, it was just no, you're good, you're such good. a reaction that like after class, I called my mom and I was like, my professor asked to call me Hasmin. Like, can you believe it? And, and, and also like all my life, I've gotten Jasmine, Jasmine, I've gotten everything under the book that I'm just used to people calling me whatever and letting it slide because whatever I didn't, I, I'm a very midwestern person <laughs> and i'm like it's fine it's okay like it's it's totally fine um but really like that was one of the first glimmers where i was like like oh my god that feeling it makes me feel at home and and i think especially once i left parkside my my grandmother passed away and by then and god bless her soul and she my middle name is named after her so aurora that's who i'm named after so i've always whenever i work anywhere and whenever I do anything, it's, I want to keep not only like where I'm from, you know, my family and my friends, I want them to be in that name. I want that to be registered. I want my culture to be registered in the pronunciation so that whenever anyone says my name or looks up my work or looks at who I am, that I am not just what they think I am. I am, I am a combination of many things. Um, and that includes my, my Mexican identity. So I say, that is my name. And, and no matter what I do, it has that stamp on it. So yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> and, uh, I just actually, I've been calling you. So here's the thing is, is, you know, you and me are very good friends and we have a very mm -hmm. close circle of very good friends. And, yeah. you know, 
And then we have an even larger circle of, of mostly people from UW Parkside, University of Wisconsin Parkside, our, our alma mater for theater. Yes. We have a large group of friends and, and, and we all, you know, before COVID-19 happened, the pandemic, we all used to hang out quite a bit and we still do virtually. But the thing is, a lot of our friends still call you Jasmine. And, you know, like I, like I, I do my best to correct them whenever I can, because, you know, the first time I was, the first time I was corrected and I heard Hasmeen and that that's, that's what it is. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I immediately latched into that. I was like, no, Hasmeen, that's what it is. But today is the first time I learned that, that you learned Aurora, but like you, like I learned that you added that. Um, and it's, uh, it's Aurora, right? Yeah, or, Aurora. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's like with our friends too. I even like, as you know, my my best friend Otto. So my best friends, like my 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 innermost circle, they know who they are. They they always say it for me. They're like, no, it's Hasmin. They would always they would always yeah. put up that fight for me, just because I don't I st and I still struggle with it even till today. I'm better at it now. I'm like even today when I introduced myself to my professors in my first day of school, I'm like, it's actually Hasmin, and they're like, oh, thank you. Like they were really positive about it. Um, but I remember one of the first experiences way back actually during Parkside times, uh, it wasn't with my name, it was with someone else's, uh, but a fellow Parkside person, they're they like, well, why, why am I going to call them that? That's just too hard to pronounce. Like, why am I going to do that? Why am I going to put in the effort to do that? And that was like years ago, like, and, and it, at the time I internalized it and I was like, but it's their name, but, and I didn't say anything, which it still brings me shame to this day to think about it, but it's little things like that, that I was, I was really afraid that everyone around me would be like, well, why are you doing this? That's, that's not what we've known you. That's not what you introduced yourself as when we first met you way back when it's too late now, <laughs> like what, you know, I was scared that people would not, would not call me my name or would not want to call me that way and refuse. And, and rather than dealing with the fact that they wouldn't Call me that I just was like I'm gonna subtly put it out there like in my email signature and <laughs> hope yes. that people read that and they do like they like God most of every every communication starts in my email uh and I have it there and people know without they're like you said Hasmin right and I'm like yes you read it thank you like <laughs> it's it's, it's a way it's a different way to fight <laughs> It is a different. It is a different way to fight. You're bringing the fight on paper as well as in person, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is fabulous. Everything about you is fabulous, so that's fabulous too. No, and that's no. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us uh, and with me. You know, and you, you know, I try to be that advocate for you. Uh, not you know, not that you need it, but maybe it's nice to have them. That's the whole it's thing, nice is, right? You know, yeah. it's, or, so, as as one of your close friends, I, I do my best to correct people as well. But it sounds like you're doing a good job of correcting people on your own with your email signature and and just taking back that name has mean. Um, yeah. And with the whole with, with it's it's so interesting to me because when it comes to you know people changing their name or people correcting people on how the the name is pronounced, like you know every, everyone gives everyone gives Rob Dominion over their name when they want to change their name from Rob to Bob, and that has no cultural significance at all. It's a preference. But you, Jasmine, you know, that's, like you said, everything in Midwest about you, but not everything. Like, you prefer his mean, because that invokes another part of you that you want to invoke, and certain people, like, certain people aren't willing to put the, I'm just saying, people, people need to put more effort into that kind of thing with, with names. Like you said, it's their name. It's like the most basic thing about them. So and, it's their, 
Right. And it, it makes my day. Like it, like it's something so small and to most people, especially if they don't deal with that kind of a thing, it might be so insignificant to them, but it's so significant to me. It truly, I'm like, oh, it's like, I can breathe. It's almost like, oh, okay. Like they're, they're taking the time to, to know that this is what I like and I prefer. And, and it's okay if they get it wrong at first or if they forget every once in a while, but as long as they acknowledge that they are attempting to do this for me and whoever else like has a name preference or even pronoun preference, whatever it may be, like that matters. That's okay. So that, that's beautiful, first of all, but that's fascinating. The, the analogy about, or maybe not even an analogy, but comparing it to being able to breathe. Um, um, we had Adam Kudisha on the show. Uh, oh, yeah. who you know and he you know yes. we, we we geeked out about you off off the mic for a second really um, you, yeah we talked about spring awakening on the mic and then we, we geeked about specific people off um yes yes we can talk about that too but no so my first so he he brought it back around to you know I, I have these two prompts in the beginning of the show and the first one is what does it look like after you know we've eradicated racism and sexism and those things are you know we, we live in a in a topia, he called it. Not a utopia, but a topia of, like, it's not dystopic anymore. And he said, it's like you can walk in the room and breathe. So the fact that you, you said the same thing about, like, if someone gets your name right, or at least puts the effort in, it's, it's a, you know, it, it maybe takes something off of your chest. It sounds like a through line is what it sounds like. Um, yeah. It's fascinating that's to mention that. Yeah, that's really, that's crazy. Like, to think about that. Yeah, no. Something awesome. I've never thought about until this experience, and now two different people that I respect both bring it up in wildly different ways. Well, so the second thing, the second thing about your identity that you that that's in your intro is the word Chicana, and I just learned the word Chicana today to be yeah. a Mexican American who lives in America, right? Right, the United States, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the United States, right? Um, so, and then, but then you actually, so we were chatting, just kind of texting back and forth. And you had mentioned that that Chicana spelled with an X in the front is another even more inclusive way to to uh, write that. And you were with I don't know if you know this. You were with me when I learned what Latinx is. Like, no, I did not know that. It was you. You and me were both at the talk back for Destiny of Desire. That's where I learned <gasps> yes! Latinx. Is. So the fact that you brought that up again um, for Chicana, I'm glad that it, it. You know, I'm glad I know that iteration. So Full circle. Good. Full circle, exactly. Full circle. Yes, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, so moving on to sort of, so just so people know, like we said, you and me are good friends, but we did go to undergrad together for almost the whole time. Graduated together. I remember fixing someone's yes. cap and gown at the ceremony. So Hashtag we, hire me. That's how that started. Yes. Hire me, absolutely. <laughs> um, so all those experiences, like looking back, you and me have we've talked a lot about this with a lot of our friends, um, you know, about how the, the traumas of that place, but also the joys of that place have all made and who we all are today. And, you know, no yeah. looking back, another hashtag, hashtag no looking back. But <laughs> for, for, for a second, I just wanna, you know, talking about theater as an institution that, that remains complacent in the fight against racism and bigotry in general, that starts with educational theater a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So I want to just get your take on, yeah. on that 
uh, if you, you know, any, I know a lot of your experiences were not the best at Parks, but were, were any of them in that vein or was it just in, uh, was it just the normal amount of, like, is it normal trauma or were there, were there spurts of racism and sexism in there as well? You know, what's funny is that like when I, when I remember, when I remember Parkside or when I think of Parkside, um, it's a feeling and and first it, it's like even just saying Parkside it's it, it's it's funny it's two it's actually two feelings because depending on the context it's used I can it's 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 <laughs> it can go one of two ways one sure. if I say Parkside people oh joy because you know our circle our people I love I love our Parkside people our our friends but also like how we've worked as like collaborators, as artists, as teams, you know, even actually like shout out, like just recently in my, uh, I was, I'm a part of the, I was a part, I guess you could say it's still going, but uh, the niceties at Forward Theater in Madison. So yes. I just I just costume designed that show, uh, and our stage manager mentioned noticed that I'm a Parkside grad and said how she loves Parkside students and thinks of them as a whole. And I was like, me too. Like I love the students, the, the people that I've, I've known and met through Parkside, I will never forget. Like, I can't, I can't not love them. I can't not forget them because they helped make me who I am too. Like we all have gone through things together, despite being my journey being glaringly different from a lot of our, our friends. We still, we still hold similar, similar things, you know, in our hearts. Um, but the other negative side to that is that it's it's like a pool of anxiety uh i it's so we don't have to talk about it of course which you know, right and it's but it's also like for me it helps to acknowledge that honestly because it's a part like i've i've accepted that it's a part of my story and acknowledging something that brings me great discomfort you know it just it exists it's there and i'm just here to say that that so, and my experience, of course, is my own. It's not everyone else's, right? So it's just good to say that out there that other people have had great, better experiences than I have. And I'm so happy for them, but that was not mine, unfortunately. Though there were great shining moments. And some of those moments were were related to race and related to sexism, though I think at the time I didn't know that it was um, or didn't sure. I didn't realize that it was because, well, for me, my identity is also very complex in the sense that I am very white passing, and I and I acknowledge my my privilege and my white privilege within my Mexican identity. Um, so it's something that I'm I am constantly actively thinking about in in regards to racism and and our fight for for better than that, right? Um, so and I think within that part, that facet of my identity also affected how how others interacted with me in regards to race, in regards to um, even sexism and things like that. So for example, many many times from uh, from professors, and it wasn't just limited to the theater department, but the ones I most visibly remember viscerally remember from the theater department. Um, and they were minor like at the time I didn't realize them and they they didn't know obviously what they were saying it was a different time back then I know it's shitty we don't like saying that well but no it, but no and we say that every single year like oh that was a different time like think eight it, years ago the me too movement didn't exist and sexual abuse was just around everywhere without being yeah, acknowledged we didn't this is an example of how things constantly change sorry exactly go ahead. yeah it's always in flux right so so at the time like 
there's multiple times where where professors have kind of taken away my identity from me. They're like in in the sense of like, oh, well, you're not really a Mexican, so that doesn't count. Or on the other hand, you're only able to apply for this thing because you're Mexican, so that makes sense. And <laughs> and at the time, it it made I internalized it and I didn't tell anyone else about it because I didn't know there wasn't a space for me to go to anyone because our de theater department was white. That's just no other way to say it. It was white. Who else, who else could I have talked to at that time to, to say like, hey, that was uncomfortable or, or hey, can a professor really talk to me that way? Is that, you know, and that again, I didn't realize that till after I left that I was like, maybe they, maybe that wasn't okay to say, or they shouldn't have ever said that to me in the first place, because who are they to tell me what my identity is, right? Um, so there were little, it was little things, it was microaggressions that I just, before college, I had never really experienced because I was always in a community of Latinx and, and intersectional group. I hung out with so much more diverse multicultural group of people than when I went to Parkside. Um, which is which is really weird to think about, um, and and then so going to Parkside, it felt like that's why like I felt like I was losing like my Spanish because I didn't get to speak it as often. I I mm. felt like I I wasn't. It's not that I was forgetting, but that I was I was losing losing my identity within the space because there wasn't there wasn't something actively created for it. I wasn't. It's almost like I wasn't allowed to exist you know, in the sure. paintbrush strokes of, of, of department, despite wanting to foster that diversity and wanting to encourage that, it, in actuality, it didn't happen, unfortunately. So it's really weird, little, little things like that, that built up. Sure. No, absolutely. You know, and, and like you said, at one point, like not even to the fault sometimes of the person perpetrating it, but like it's institutional. So right uneducated or just not even aware that it's happening, nor were you aware at the time. Yeah, reflections, uh, reflections is son of a bitch, isn't it? Yeah, uh. <laughs> it's so interesting to know that like, to recognize that now, because at the time I just excused it. I just said it like, well, okay, like it happens. It must happen to other people too. Like, like it's normal, like that's, that makes it okay. Right, and it's normal, but it's not okay, right? It is the norm, right. but it's not okay. So it's, it's tough to, but I think uh, I think that, between those two. Right. But I think it speaks to a grander thing of like in theater, I was so so used to bundling my feelings of thing of negative things and trauma. Um, and even professional, like outside, like even work that I got because of Parkside. But um like like I learned to take whatever negative things were happening to me and ball it away and just like accept it under the guise of like, well, look, she's great to work with because she can handle anything. Like she, like that, you know, even though, despite the fact that I shouldn't be put in that position in the first place. And I think that's what a lot of people are, are starting to realize now in a, in, a, in a COVID world, like, why are we putting up with as much as we're putting up with? Why are we saying that that was okay for so long when it's not okay? Why is our mental health and and our standards so low for theater people just for the sake of wanting to seem like we're a model minority or a model person to work with? It shouldn't take that much to sacrifice of yourself to be able to work with someone, you know? 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. And that, that reminds me of my time with, um, I was with a real estate company for a time and, and certain people that worked there, like I was, I was praised for being easy to work with because I grinned and bared it, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's sort of removed, not, not the same as your experience. For me, it was just sort of not being able to speak out when I wanted to, like I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing the racism myself because, you know, I know my privilege, but it was still tough to not, to, to endure it. It's just, yeah. So I, I totally yes. understand that. Yeah, like um, that's a great way to put it, to endure it. Like even my first internship where I truly was mentally and emotionally abused to the point where like my I got my designer fired because of the treat the way she degraded and treated me and wow. in the middle of Utah, away from home, like <laughs> you know, in in somewhere I didn't know, like that, like it's like level of different levels of trauma that just you're just like, well you know like they and they said too they're like just just get through it just get to the end of the show because then you know she'll be gone after the end of the end of the season it's okay she's been here a really long time it's okay like you'll just get through this and and get to show opening and you'll and you'll be fine like you know until obviously she it, it that didn't happen that way and clearly <laughs> <certainly> not no <laughs> and clearly not and and but it's like again why do we why do we allow this to be the standard we should be do we should actively be pursuing ways to help our artists and help especially like those in internships and things like that feel better especially if you know they are in spaces that are not safe for them you know yeah yes absolutely there should be there should be um some transparency in in how things are handled too like, like you said oh she's been here for a long time it's fine like, yeah. no it's not fine <laughs> it's not fine when i'm like constantly being berated every day and also being i was like brent i was a baby in theater then it was my first internship i was barely a year in the department at parkside like i was a baby like <laughs> i had no idea that yeah. that wasn't what people didn't like i thought it was normal and that's how we right. like again like we internalize trauma thinking like oh that happens to everyone right and it's like mm. like yes it does but that's not good um yeah. <laughs> so it's just flipping the switch to a more positive um theatrical experience and jumping into your expertise which is just your amazing ability to to jump into a text and bring that text's characters alive with what they wear and they're they're like just you yes i just you so you've you've costume designed for me personally as a director once and it was for 12th night and that was that was unbelievable yeah. and and i've sat in on on you know between between our time at parkside and between our time at three brothers yeah between those two i've sat in on on a handful of other designer presentations for me and i feel like it's a history lesson every time in the positive way i feel like i'm learning about something every time because you because of because of how thorough your research is so i just want to sing your praises for a moment if you'll allow me to and before you negate any of that i'll immediately move on to something um <laughs> <laughs> i'll immediately move on to a specific costume design that i uh that you invited me to see i had the pleasure of watching on the wings of a mariposa yes first stage and and that just that that design blew me away and i would love to hear you talk about that a little bit especially through the lens of, of sort of telling certain stories and, and identity. Yeah. Oh, On the Wings of a Money Buzz, that holds a special, special place in my heart because not only is it, one, it's, it's 
it's a Mexican story, right? And, and in theater, which at the time was my first one ever, um, like relating related to to like Mexican culture or Mexican, a Mexican cast. Um, so that was a huge deal for me to be able to work on that show uh, too, also because it's first stage. And even to this day, first stage, top tier work top tier team that they talk about experts they know they know everything that they're doing it's incredible they're just every time I work with them it's just it's incredible what they can do and and part of that too is that they they brought a fun fact for those that don't know me uh growing up I was in a mariachi <laughs> I played blows me away every time I hear it I know I played I learned the viola in, in fourth grade I started it and until I went off to college I trained in the viola so I knew classical music I did solo I did WSMA I was a part of my soul for a little bit um I which is the Milwaukee Youth Symphony Orchestra um and and did state all that kinds of stuff I, I used to do but the other half of it was that through that um it was through uh my elementary middle school is Bruce Guadalupe Community School so again that's a primary that's in 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 the south side of Milwaukee so it's primarily Latinx students um and that's where I grew up that's where my community center was that's where I did all my volunteer work that's where all my friends were I did that's that was my life right and the mariachi or the Latino arts Latino arts strings program is is there um and so my teacher Ms. Dinora Marquez she who is my, teacher my whole life she actually ended up doing the music for the show uh, and she is like best friends with Alvaro, who's the playwright, who's now one of my good friends. I love him dearly. He's always, he's also another one where like, like, like I have to do a shout out. Like he is constantly trying to push things my way, like work, like, or, or job opportunities, especially before COVID. Like he's always looking out for me and, and trying to get things my way. And I appreciate that from him so much. Uh, and Small World again, his wife is also, an actor and an artist in the theater community and I'm designing her show at Milwaukee Chamber Theater right now actually incredible so it's like a small it's again it's a small world where like we're like I finally was working with not only like artists and 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 people that like of a high caliber not that to say people before them weren't, uh, weren't they totally were um but working with those with a similar background to mine where I can openly right. speak Spanish and be a little bit more of who I am like in a space that primarily like especially growing up at the Mayak uh it's predominantly white like it's just it's it's not bad in that sense it's a beautiful space but I always knew that it wasn't it wasn't my space like you know because it's just I, there was no one else like me there or you know or like my other friends who were in the mariachi when we would go to my so there was no one like us there we were the outsiders you know unintentionally um so sure. on the wings of a mariposa was just was such a great experience in that way it was so refreshing um and i really got to let like let like my designs and my imagination kind of speak for me and it was so fun and to and also to have a costume shop usually i'm a one-woman show and i have to do everything myself it's just you know the way of theater especially in smaller smaller theaters right sure um and it's working with first stage i had worked with them as a wardrobe person before but this is my first show as a designer for them so getting to be a designer and then also letting go of like 
is there anything else you need me to do? I'm so used to <laughs> doing more. Sure. And sure. they were like, no, no, like be a designer. Like, you know, just, that's all we need from you basically make decisions, you know? Uh, and <laughs> it was, it was a mind blowing experience because you wouldn't think that it would, that, you know, like by now you're like, oh yeah, you're a designer. Like, what is that? How is that anything different for you? Like, no, it was like working with a shop and working with a team then working with a show that really spoke to like so many things within the story. I was like, oh my God, that's my life growing up. That was, yes, I completely understand all of this. And especially me, Dinora and Alvaro, like throughout the entire process, we were, we also were very like, that's not accurate. That's not right. Or that like, if you do that, that's going to be really disrespectful to anyone who is Mexican or Latino and comes in here and watches that show. Like we got to be very vocal um, and, and, and say like, hey, if we're doing this, we have to do this right. We can't just, this can't just be a puff piece or a, like, oh, you know, that cool Day of the Dead show, you know, like, or right. um, it, it was more meaningful to us than that. It was really, we had, we wanted to do our best to make it authentic. Um, and, and, and then that way enjoyable for anyone who would come. And what I loved seeing on opening night as you, as you saw is that I got to see so many friends and family and people from the community that normally are never within the space. Sure. Especially most of them come to the theater, like <clears throat> professional theater for the first time. And, and the cast was students from Bruce Guadalupe who had never done theater, who have never seen theater. Uh, and got to be a part so it was just oh it was it was heartwarming and like I was like oh my god I want to do more shows like this like I want more more of that um totally. I want to do more art like that so I love that show I love that show <laughs> that's amazing no props to you there's one particular monarch butterfly piece that will always just like I gasped when when the wings the, opened up the, the skirt I still have that video oh where they God. first they first sent me like hey do you want to see like like this is what we got so far and it was like a slow motion twirl of the skirt and I was like oh, like I was like that looks like my rendering but even better like, <laughs> like yeah that so That'll, oh my always, God. that'll always stick in my head as as just like oh my gosh and then realizing oh my god my, my friend has mean she made that she created that idea um so no, props to you for that show and props to first stage for for giving you the tools to tell a story like that giving everyone the tools to tell yeah. a story like that um absolutely so let me let's so let's move on to to these these prompts here uh, i'd love to hear your take on on this first question of what happens after the revolution what happens after we've we've finally solved the the it's not even a problem. It's, it's, it's more urgent than that. It's a bigger, it's a bigger thing than a problem, right? It's what, once, once we unlearn how to be racist and the institutional, like once that is dug out from the roots, like where, where does that leave us as artists and storytellers besides just simply being able to live, you know? Yeah. Like thinking about that, like it makes me think the first thing is that if we ever got to such a place is that we don't get complacent. Um, and I, I almost don't even want to think about it because it feels like a, like a, like a finish line when to me in actuality, it feels like it's just something we have to actively always do. Like one of my favorite things to come out of the pandemic and, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is, is the term like 
anti-racist. Instead of saying, I am not racist, I am anti-racist. Because to me, that, that implies that you were actively working on and, and conscious of trying to be better for, you know, in multiple ways, in different ways, you know? Because um, I, yeah, saying you're not racist, it almost, it just, like, especially now, it's, it's, it's like deniability. And it feels like, it, I don't know, working to be anti-racist, it, it, it makes it less passive to me. It makes it more. No, sure. That, that actually, deniability, that's a good word. That's a good way to describe it, sort of washing your hands of it. Go, oh, I'm not racist, so I don't have to concern yeah. myself with what's going on, yes. even though it's still going on. Right. Or like, let's say we, like, you're prompt, like, we get to a point where that, I mean, it's like, no, I want us, even like, let's say we got there, it's like never, I don't want it to happen again, because as we've seen, history repeats itself. Humans are, are not totally infallible in that way. They, it, we get True. complacent and then it'll happen again. Because if we forget, like we'll live in times that things are good and then think everything's fine and when it's really not. So I think it's just, instead of thinking of it as a finish line or thinking of it as, even though we always want to shoot for ideals, right? Like, of course, that's the goal. We would love to live in, in that, that world. But I think for me, it, it helps me, especially in my brain, show that it takes work. It does take, it takes learning. Um, I am not exempt from this. No, I don't, none of us are exempt from this. Like it, it, it takes, all of us have a part to play. No one is exempt from working on, on creating and helping making a world a better place in that sense, on ending racism, on ending sexism, homophobia, any, any of the isms, any of the phobias, right? Like we, yeah. it takes, it takes work. And I think most people are afraid to, to say that they, it's a scary word to people. It's a scary, it's, people are not, they don't like, they don't like hearing if you, they're a racist, right? No one likes to be told that they're a racist or they're this. Because it's like, it instantly it's defense and instantly there's argument pent up and there's, it, we, we get detracted from, from the issue at hand. And it's like, if we just, if we acknowledge this, it's like, again, it's like earlier when I said, I'm like, I'm acknowledging my trauma. I'm acknowledging that this is something that happens and then there, it's unavoidable. It, I'm always gonna live with this. It's never gonna leave me as much as I would love it to leave me. I, I'm gonna always live with this for the rest of my life. I need to acknowledge that this is a part of me as much as I don't like it. Um, so it's, I don't know, I kind of look at it in that sense is that I don't like this, but I acknowledge you exist and it's my job to be better and to to work on that because Absolutely. i don't want i don't want other people to feel to you know if i use wrong pronouns or if i if i make a racist remark or if i you know if i use my privilege in a way that that really is a, offensive you know i am i am human i make mistakes i am not exempt just because i'm mexican i am not exempt because of white privilege i'm not exempt for this that and the other i think it's just being honest and accepting these ugly truths that we all live with and doing something about it so i guess if that answers your prompt it's making it's, sure that we're not we're not complacent and that we work to maintain it <laughs> absolutely no i i appreciate the the finish line metaphor of it, it, you know, of us seeing it as a finish line and maybe we shouldn't view it as a finish line. 
you know, that's, that reminds me of, it's not a race, it's a marathon. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we have to, there's upkeep, like, even once we get to that point, which, you know, may not be anytime soon, but, uh, you know, once society gets to that point, there will be some preventative maintenance that needs to occur to keep ourselves in check, to keep learning as, as human beings and people develop. Uh, so no, I really appreciate that. I might, I might foster that further, I might foster future conversations around, around, you know, finish line versus uh, a marathon or versus yeah. upkeep. So, okay. So that, you know, taking a step back to our, my first, the, the second prompt and sort of an action steps sort of thing. Um, I wanted to, so once, now, now that we've established that, let's, let's allow your answer to the first one to inform the second one. So, so working backwards, how do we end these things? What are steps that people can take now? What are active things? We've touched on them a little bit. And also like, what are things that are, we're going to have to do forever? You know, actually, you said acknowledging trauma, trying to be better, but uh, you know, I would love to talk a little bit more about that, that part about being better. You know, uh, acknowledging something that maybe you've done, acknowledging a fault, um, not you specifically, but like how people need to do that. Yeah, I think. Um, or anything else that might answer that second question. I think a good example for people, um, especially in my case, is that like coming to the term, coming coming to the coming to terms with the fact that I have white privilege was was really really hard for me, and because. <laughs> because one I hated I, I I still do I acknowledge it I hate how white passing I am like I truly like which is a conflict in itself because it's like the constant thing I tell myself is like you are Mexican though like why are we letting other people's standards of what what a Mexican is you do not have to look like a stereotypical Mexican to be to be Mexican right and I think it, so so anyway but that journey of recognizing and reconciling white privilege was really hard I, I at first I didn't want to believe it I didn't I didn't because I didn't like it I didn't like how uncomfortable it made me and I didn't like it because I was like well but I never feel like I'm enough I never feel like I'm 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 Mexican or I'm not I I don't I am not white so why why am I white passing or why do I feel, you know, so like coming to terms with that within my own identity, I think a lot of people deal with like that uncomfortable aspect or things that I'm like, this is not easy. It's not easy work. It is not like admitting that you're racist or that you could, you could be racist at any given time. It's, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot within that, that we, we as humans don't like the uncomfortable. We avoid it at all costs. We don't want anything to do with it. And, and then it can come in many forms, right? With any of our fears or in, our insecurities. Um, so for me, I think that part of my journey was hard, but then I started to think later and realize like, well, there, there's so much more going on than me in like, I am, I'm lucky because in my white privilege, I'm afforded privileges that others aren't, right? I am, you know, I, I don't have to worry or think about fears that like black people have to face on the daily, right? I have, to, I don't have to worry about like dri driving home and, or if I get pulled over that I'm not gonna come home. You know, I don't have to really worry about that. I don't have to teach my kids about that. So 
I think it's acknowledging that we need to start making space for people of color and, and black people specifically, and, you know, especially like making space and not taking up that space because all my life I've, I've experienced that to an extent and it sucks, but, <laughs> and, and I can relate to it somewhat, but at the end of the day, we need to start fostering and encouraging spaces where we just support those people of color, especially those who, who are black or brown or any are real, you know, like indigenous people who don't normally have voices or we don't normally see or hear from instead of speaking over them and, and, and thinking about what they could possibly want. Like we need to push and support them at the forefront. I don't want to hear another white person's take on, on a black identity. I don't want to hear another person's take on, on indigenous, indigenous people struggle. Like, you know, it's, it's, we need as much as it makes us uncomfortable or doing things that might make us uncomfortable, we need to confront that and create those spaces because it's not easy and it's hard. Everything I'm saying, it's, <laughs> this is me like trying to condense really like systemic problems into, into something more manageable. Well, you know? well, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna tackle this full issue in, in an hour or less. Like, right, absolutely. That's the whole well, point. And, and, I, and that is the whole point, right? It's, it's hard stuff, it's hard. But as an individual, I think it's like leaning into the uncomfortable and leaning into what can make spaces better for other human beings that aren't ourselves. That's what I kind of lean into. Um, and honestly, it starts with s simple things like, like reading and education. You don't have to take a college course. You don't have to take, you don't have to go to community college. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to go to expensive, an expensive alma mater and learn these things that we're learning about now. There's plenty of books and artists, especially black indigenous artists or people activists that are doing this work already for us <laughs> that like that you can find and read and learn. And I'm still learning on who, like who, I still need to do that work and, and read. And luckily because I'm going back to school, there's actually been a lot of um, reading on my part that I've done through school that that has fostered that. So I'm really grateful to UWM for really encouraging that through all their classes. Um, but I think it's here, I'm trying to like put it into little things, things that I've personally done that I think people can relate to. One, I've always accepted the fact that there is always something more to learn. I am never above learning. I'm never, I, I never ever want to say to someone or someone think this of me that they're like, they know everything there is to know because I never know what I'm doing. <laughs> or a lot of the time I feel like I never know what I'm doing. I'm just doing, sure, the, there best. It is. I'm doing the best that I can, right? I'm doing, I'm doing the absolute best that I can and with, with what, what's in my hands. So, and what guides that is how can I help other people feel through my empathy and through wanting to make the world a better place? Like, how can I help others breathe? How can I help others feel those little moments that I talked about earlier where I feel like I can breathe in a room again? What can I do in my day-to-day -day actions that help foster that? So calling, asking someone their pronouns, calling someone by their the name that they prefer, um, reading reading from from artists and people that normally don't get a voice doing being a part of storytelling or being a part of plays or production teams that are 
that focuses on work related to race or uncomfortable conversations or um, hiring hiring designers and directors and and people who who for the longest time have not been hired uh giving them those opportunities like making recommendations on people that maybe ahead of you that maybe they sh that job should go to them instead of you um you know like things little things like that like what can i do in my immediate what's in my own hands how can i translate that to make someone breathe so that's does that make sense <laughs> it yes. took a long time to get there i feel like no yes no absolutely no we, we yes this the whole point is thinking these out and <laughs> and you sort of combined the two prompts and i appreciate the way that you did it by you know, sort of saying that, that you know one leads into the other, you can't have one without the other. That you know, making making those spaces available for people to breathe, I like that a lot. And and having those spaces is really important. Um, gosh, this has been great. Uh, we only have a few more minutes to talk. I won't, you know, I'm trying to keep these under a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, I would love to. I would love to hear a little bit about your time in Prague, if you would be so, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily in this, in this, if, if anything relates to this conversation or, or, but I, I just, I don't know, that just fascinates me, the fact that you went to, to Prague and, and I've never been out of the country before. And that's maybe the problem with a lot of people is that they haven't, but. Yeah, that I, one, I didn't think it was going to be possible. I will say that outright. Is, I remember when I was first, I told my mom I was applying and it's not that she wasn't supportive. She's supportive in anything that I do hundred and thousand percent. Right. But she's like, how are you going to pay for this? <laughs> because I am a broke artist. I am, I am supremely broke. I'm a debt. Right. So like, I was like, I don't know, but what if I get it? It's a long shot, but why not? And then I applied it and then, <laughs> and then I got it. And, <laughs> and, and, my mom was like, well, I have to come with you. <laughs> and we took, and she like took a loan and then like Otto did like a, like, you know, like that, uh, like a fundraiser for me, which right. like helped. Um, but uh, going to Prague, I didn't want to come back home. I love, I've only traveled once out of the country before. And that was in high school. I got to do a, a stay at home in Spain and uh, I loved Spain. So, <laughs> but going to Prague was so exciting because I got to go and represent the United States. Like I, there was a reason, like I was, I was selected. Um, and until that point, you know, it, that was one of the few things where, where I was like, wow, like, maybe I, I, I do, I can do this <laughs> because I, I also like to be totally honest and totally fair. I deal with imposter syndrome on the daily. Like I, I <laughs> 10 times out of 10 a day, I'll say like, I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this? Like why? <laughs> like, but I continue to do it. I work faster. Um, and going to Prague was just one of those moments where I was like, this is insanely cool. You know, you get to see people from all over the world just talk about art and not only talk about art but like in a performance space and talk about art in the way that i love talking about art and theater and it was in like not just purely like realism it was like like it was things that were completely out of my brain like it's so hard to explain i wanted i wanted parkside people to come with me i was like look at this theater that is like it's not the same from like the united states like look at from these other countries that are producing these and incredible intricate works that are just so 
it 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 wrecks your brain there it comes from the depths of your heart and the depths of your mind and and makes you think and and emote and just it it takes you on another plane of existence it's the only way i can describe it it's like sure. you know that's what i appreciated about the proquagenial like it just truly it talks about art in a way that i've never experienced in the united states like in in little wisconsin or illinois right <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah the midwest um, the midwest and there's nothing wrong with it it's just it's it was just something different um sure. and i wanted people there to come with me because i was like i want to create art like this this is the art that like it like it fed my soul i tell people i was like i like this made me like it made me want to to go back again and be like and do art like this and create theater like this it was just so it was really moving it was really moving and then also like going there with my mom who like you know my parents have so helped so without my parents i wouldn't be here you know also like duh like logistically but also like <laughs> like right. i know what you mean though they, they, like they throughout school and like that. how often did they pay you know for supplies or for you know like books loans all the things they've done so much for me i wouldn't i'm very privileged and very lucky to say that they they helped me get to where i am and and going to Prague was just I know I have a hard time telling people like yeah I went to Prague because I feel like it sounds like yeah I went to Prague like <laughs> so That's why I, I bring it up so that you don't have to and then you can talk right about <laughs> but it was you know. it was a great it was a great experience and I wish I when I was it's fine I, when I was in Prague I remember the first day I told my mom I was like next time whenever in because it's every four years it's quadrennial I was like I have to get a group of us to go like we have to like because so many schools all went together they all like brought like groups of students and groups of people sure. and I was like I want to do that I want to bring like a group of Parkside people and all of us go because it's just a week a week and a half no it's it's two weeks basically sure um, I was like oh they can do it we can do it it'll be fun and then we create theater and bring it to the midwest like no one has ever seen it'll be great like no one's ever exactly no like no so yeah the, the midwest is 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 very easily rocked so that would blow the midwest's mind um, um i think but no so so i so the last thing i want to talk to you about um unless there's anything you want to talk about obviously um the last thing i wanted to bring up to you specifically and get your take on or at least just even just talk to you about it uh, sort of as a transition you know the word international you know going to prague going outside of the country. I've always thought of the word international as outside of the U.S. Like, oh, international means mm. outside of the U.S. because that's just that's my perspective, right? right. But then with the, with the addition, like you said earlier, you were part of an intersectional group and knowing what intersectionality is now, revisiting that word in my mind, international is like, no, international means I'm going from my country to another country and it involves both because I'm taking, you know, I'm, like you said, I'm representing the United States Right. Um, um, and you know, unless it, unless it's in unless it's in terms of someone coming here as like a refugee or uh, in bad circumstances, people come here representing their country, their, their culture. So, so this is a very long-winded way to get to my point, which is this: um, in our personal friendship, you have uh, you have opened my eyes to a musical artist that I don't think I would have ever listened to if someone that I like, if someone that I like, as close as you are to me, I didn't say, oh, like you should listen to them. They're great. And and this is maybe me reckoning with a little bit of my, uh, uh, my, what's the I'm word? I'm getting excited if I think what you're going to say. <laughs> so, so yeah, here's the thing. It's like, I, like, yeah, like I watch anime and I've, I've, I've 
you know, I watch international films, films, like I don't have a problem with subtitles, but for some reason, music in other languages, except for, there are exceptions. There are certain songs that are exceptions, you know, I, and, and here's actually, this is where the whole, this is where the race thing comes in is because I, you know, I trained vocally in French and Italian and German, oh, okay. all the European languages. And I even sang in Spanish once. And, you know, Sp Spanish is, not to diminish the issues that Latinx folks have, Spanish is a very close language to people in the United States. It's the second most spoken language. You know, right. it's the language I'm most exposed to in my life by far. For sure, except for absolutely. English by far, like it's the one I have on my phone for Duolingo, right? But any language, any language in Africa or in any part of Asia, I could not begin to comprehend. So that just, I shy away from their music, um, which is maybe just part of my privilege or part of my, my, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. It's just part of like my perspective that I need to broaden my perspective and, you know, not just fight for, you know, anti-racism and, and equity, and intersectionality, but I need to experience and enjoy other people's enjoyments too, and other yeah. people's cultures. So yeah, this is my very long-winded way of saying I, I would have never listen to BTS if it wasn't for you. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I just you know maybe you can I don't know maybe you can just speak to that speak on that for a moment. Um, but I just, I appreciate or just or not or I just want to say I appreciate you broadening my horizons a bit to I, someone who's from a different country than ours. I love, I love that. I love that so much because <laughs> I have no shame admitting it right now. I'm, a, I'm embarrassed a little bit, but that's just because I'm shy naturally, that uh, I'm a BTS army and I love BTS with my heart and soul. So, <laughs> and recommending them to you was like a serious recommendation because you are, you are someone that out of anyone in my friends group, I feel like you would take my recommendation seriously. I feel like if I suggested it to other people, they would have been like, like, okay. Like they roll their eyes and dismiss it as like, okay, wow, like a K-pop group, like whatever. And and what's incredible is that BTS is a perfect example where they deal with so much of that. They deal with so much of that, that like, that, that internalized, uh, what is it like oh there's a word for it and i'm i'm blanking on it right now but you know or we hate anything from other countries like they no one wants. oh no yeah well so that's actually that's that's you know in in the in my intro the word xenophobic maybe yes, extreme xenophobic. version of that so yes. a less extreme version of xenophobia yes yeah. like you know like their entire journey they've been in the industry for what like almost 10 years like they truly they've been together for seven officially um but they like especially with how big they're becoming in the they're huge they're huge artists throughout the world like the oh yeah massive international artists. the accolade accolades the awards the records they've broken it's insane like i can't even begin to list it to you they are also now grammy nominated artists like woo like that's great but it's insane the level of like xenophobia and racism that they still and like belittlement because they're a quote unquote k-pop group even though they're more than k-pop they they always say how they are not they, they are BTS, they are not K-pop, they are more than that because they are genre breaking. So I think that's a perfect, it kind of relates to your prompt and what we've been talking about today is that even little things that you wouldn't think about like like listening to like other music or even like watching, like like how many people have watched Parasite and, they, and what yep. did their directors say about how like, it's amazing once you break that barrier of those like 
the inch of mm -hmm. like subtitles and it you open yourself to a whole new world yeah. that you never would have thought was possible i feel the same way about like bts and their music it's like if you get past that they're singing in korean which one they're singing beautifully so why wouldn't you want to listen to them but <laughs> but if you look up translations and see their lyrics like it's insane it's it's if you can't get over it, you're missing out on a whole experience that you're you're holding yourself back from this barrier of language when our world is too big for that. There's so many artists and so many cultures and so many countries that the United States is not even capable of like shutting out. And there's so much to explore that the thought of other people refusing to listen to anything that is not in English is mind blowing to me. I think part of it too is that I'm bilingual. So I sure. listen to music in English and Spanish and Korean. I listen to things in French in, uh, and Japanese, Korean, French, Spanish. I listen to so many things and it's like, I can't imagine not, I wanna to listen to more. It just, it makes everything better. <laughs> so yeah, I, no, I'm happy. I agree, you know, I, and I just, I appreciate you bringing that to my life and I'm hoping to, you know, just this is the whole point of, you know, reckoning with a, with a bit of my casual racism that i didn't know like is that oh yeah i'll totally listen to german french or or you know even even any other language that's sort of a, a european language but a shy with like just like subconsciously i shy away from languages you know like for example parasite is many many people's first um first time probably listening to the, the korean language yeah and black panther is probably a lot of people's first time watching a piece of art with the, with the Costa language. I am yes. probably saying that wrong and I'm sorry to everybody, but there's so many, there's so like, there's so like international content or art, music, films, specifically those two, um, art and, and storytelling, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't even go for the European stuff where like, that's yeah. like your, like, that's like the one people, white people got, that's the one thing white people got going for us. It's like, that's our <laughs> culture. It's like, we can't, like, we don't have white culture, but you can have German culture, French culture. Right. For some reason, we for some reason, don't go for that, but then on the same vein, don't go for literally anything else. And yeah, there's cultural appropriation, but that's the toxic way of doing it. Right. So, and, that's, so, and that's the, and I think that's a, a huge thing that's specifically Americans have to deal with like yeah. so much like yeah. look at like isn't it isn't it an example of, like you see the um the map of the world and how they would make the united states bigger than everything else like than other countries when in reality someone like actually did it accurately and it's like so small in comparison to like africa and like the other continents <laughs> like it's like that mindset of like like we we are not the center of the universe. We are not the sun. There's more than just the United States on this planet. Like there's so much more the world has to offer. I agree. And I'm I'm hoping to to dive into, you know, not everything, but maybe everything if I have the time. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I just I really, I really appreciate, I really appreciate the perspective you've brought to these prompts. This conversation has mean um I'm hoping to have you, I'm hoping to have you back at some point, um, you know. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Hasmeen for coming on After the Revolution. If you are interested in seeing Hasmeen's beautiful work, her website is hasmeenarora.com. That's J-A-Z-M-I-N-A-U-R-O-R-A.com. This will also be in the description below. You can also find her Instagram as J-A-Z-M-I-N-N. -N. 
A-U-R-O-R-A-A. That's Azmin Aurora with the N and the A at the end of each name, doubled. That's where you'll find her current projects. Thanks again, and we hope you listen next time.